to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God can turn things around in our lives. And you know, it can happen in an instant. And that's why it is so important to just keep hanging on in faith, to just keep believing, to just keep holding on to those promises. And even though it doesn't seem necessarily like anything is really happening, you just don't know what God is doing. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Genesis chapters 41 through 42 in a message titled, From Prisoner to Prime Minister. Now here's Pastor Brian. Genesis chapter 41 as we make our way through this great first book of the Bible. In our last study, Joseph, so hopeful that Pharaoh's chief butler would put in a good word for him and that he might be delivered from that unjust prison sentence was left disappointed. And as the weeks and the months rolled by, Joseph probably thought that he would be spending the rest of his life in prison. The chief butler who had had that dream and Joseph interpreted the dream He promised, yep, when I get out of here, I'll talk to Pharaoh about you and you'll be out before no time. But now as we pick up in chapter 41, that it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two full years. Now, remember this period of time from the time that Joseph was sold by his brothers into slavery until now is a total of 13 years. So at the 11-year mark, Joseph had, he had a moment of hope that he was going to be set free. But now two more years have passed. And of course, Joseph, at this very instant, knows nothing about what is transpiring in Pharaoh's palace. But let's look and see what happened. So at the end of the two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. And suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat. And they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept and dreamed a second time. And suddenly seven heads of grain came up in one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. 
And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed, it was a dream. Now, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my fault this day. Two years later. Oh, that guy in prison. I completely forgot about him. You know, the butler had indeed forgotten about him, but the Lord hadn't. And those two extra years... Although I'm sure difficult times for Joseph and something that he would not have been able to really figure out why it was the way it was, God was still working something in this young man. So the chief butler, I remember my fault this day when Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each man he interpreted according to his own dream and it came to pass just as he interpreted for us, so it happened, he restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. Amazing. A 13-year ordeal comes to an end in an instant. Just one minute, there's Joseph, languishing in the prison, doubtful that he's ever going to see the light of day again. And the next moment, the door opens, and they're pulling him out, shaving him, dressing him, and taking him before Pharaoh. It's a beautiful reminder of how quickly God can turn things around in our lives. And you know, it can happen in an instant. And that's why it is so important to just keep hanging on in faith, to just keep believing, to just keep holding on to those promises. And even though it doesn't seem necessarily like anything is really happening, you just don't know what God is doing. And I'm sure that that very morning when Joseph woke up, If he thought anything, he probably thought it's just another day in prison. He had no idea what was going on in the palace. He had no idea what God was planning. But as we've seen in looking at his life, he held on to his faith. He continued to trust the Lord, even though he couldn't understand what was happening. And and that doesn't mean that he was you know, without his moments of doubt. It doesn't mean that he was always joyful and cheerful and just, 
Hey, it doesn't matter if I'm in prison. Praise the Lord. God is good. It's okay. You know, he was a man. And so he would have gone back and forth with his emotions and his feelings. And sometimes he would have felt like he really, you know, did trust the Lord. And other times he would, you know, probably wonder whether or not God had forgotten him. But on that day, I'm almost certain that he had not the slightest idea that that very day he would not only be delivered from prison, but he is now being placed in the position that God had for all of these years been preparing him for. You see, the thing that we sometimes forget is that God is mostly concerned about our character. He's mostly concerned about what, what's going on inside of us. And, and God's work is a work that is primarily to, to do something on the inside. And evidently, in the lives of most people, that takes a good period of time. We see it, as, as we've mentioned before, we see it with the lives of so many. As we go into, you know, further into the story, of course, we could look back at Abraham and those 25 years of waiting for the promise of his son. We could look at Isaac and, and we can look at Jacob. But, you know, think about Moses. There's Moses at the, at the age of 40. Moses is reconnecting with, with his people. He's there, you know, a prince in Egypt, but he's, he's in his heart, he's connecting with the Hebrews. He's connecting with those slaves. And at the age of 40, he makes somewhat of an attempt to identify with them and to even sort of, you know, indicate to them that he's there to, to help them and, and perhaps to deliver them or something like that. And maybe you remember the story, uh, Moses completely blows it. And he has to flee Egypt because Pharaoh is going to kill him. And so he flees into the desert and he is there for 40 long years. 40 long years. And at the end of a 40-year period, that's when the Lord appeared to him in that burning bush. 40 years earlier, Moses was ready to get going with his ministry. The Lord said, Moses, we got a little more work to do. And so it wasn't until he was 80 that he actually stepped into that, that great work that God had called him to do. You see it with Moses. And, you know, again, as you follow on through, you see it in the lives of so many of these people. We don't know how many years uh, David spent running from Saul. We don't know how many years it was from the time of, of the anointing of David by Samuel until he finally uh, came to the throne, but it was a long time, you know, a minimum of, of 10 years probably, probably longer. So this is a pattern that we see all throughout the scripture, and it's a pattern that still is at work in our lives even today, and even though we live in an instant society, even though we live in a culture where we want everything done really quickly, God does not move at our pace. And even though everything around us is, is maybe going at lightning speed, 
and we're able to get a lot of things done at a very quick pace from the human standpoint, that doesn't really affect the Lord. He hasn't changed his methods. And still, in these days, he's working out his plan over periods of time. And in the process, he's, he's building character into our lives. He's making us more like Christ. When we go through difficulties, you know, if it's, uh, you know, a week is, is too long for me. A month is way too long, and, and a year is unfathomable. And, and the thought of, you know, a trial or a difficulty or an unfulfilled promise going on for, for longer than that, you know, for five years or, or in some cases maybe ten years, you know, those are things that we have such a difficult time with. And part of the reason is because we're more conditioned by our culture than we are by the Word of God. If we let the Word of God condition us, then we would not think it such a strange thing concerning the fiery trial which is to try us. But so often it's the conditioning of the world that we're operating under. So 13 long years for Joseph, but in an instant he is now pulled out of the prison and he is brought before Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Now look at this young man. So, so he's 30 years old at this time. And for the past 13 years, as we've pointed out, he's been a prisoner. He's been a slave. But look at the confidence that he has in the Lord. Look at his faith. And he's standing before the ruler of the known world. And Pharaoh says, hey, I hear you can interpret dreams. He says, nope, you're wrong. But God can. And God will give you an answer of peace. And you see there even, you know, just the boldness and the, the confidence that Joseph had in the Lord. So in verse 17 on through verse 24, Pharaoh explains the dream to Joseph. We read it in the earlier verses there, so let's skip down to verse 25. So, having explained it to him, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. Both dreams, in other words, are saying the same thing. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is a thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise. And all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over 
the land of Egypt. So this is Joseph, Joseph's counsel. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land may not perish during the famine. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this man in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Now, talk about a great day. This was a really good day for Joseph. <laughs> from the pit to the pinnacle, all in a matter of hours, from a prison cell to being what we would know today as, as the prime minister of the king of Egypt. He was the second in command. He was appointed to that. Now, let me remind you of this. Again, going back, 17 years old, he's sold into slavery. And now these 13 years, he worked in the house of Potiphar. We don't know how many years transpired there. Then he was in the prison. And of course, he was faithful and he was promoted even in Potiphar's house and in the prison. But look at the wisdom that Joseph has. Just this, not only does he interpret the dream, but then he tells Pharaoh exactly what needs to be done to preserve Egypt during the famine. And Pharaoh himself acknowledges, he says, where could we find anybody wiser than you? You're the smartest guy we've ever met. You, you do it. But here's the point. Where did Joseph get that wisdom? He hadn't gone to a university. He hadn't been educated in the sense that we would think of it. But this is wisdom that is given to him by God. And that same kind of wisdom the Lord gives to his servants today. And when we seek him and when we dedicate our lives to him and, and as we follow him, whatever it is that we're involved in, whether we're somebody else's employee or whether we're maybe running a business of our own or, you know, whatever endeavor we're engaged in, we can have confidence that as we seek the Lord, as we put the Lord first in our lives, God is going to give us wisdom on how to conduct ourselves and how to conduct our affairs. And it's, it's always amazing to me, you know, being in the position that I'm in, I get the wonderful privilege of hearing the stories of so many different people. And, and as I look out over the congregation, now there are many of you that I have personally sat down with and we've talked and I know your background and I know your story. And this is one of the great blessings of being in the ministry because we get to find out the details of all of these different people's lives. And I'm always astounded 
at how God can take a person and, and like Joseph here, literally pull them out of a pit, pull them out of a prison, and set their feet upon a rock and just bless their lives so beautifully and so wonderfully. It's such a glorious thing. And again, this is something that we see repeated over and over and over again in Scripture. I like what Hannah said when she is, you know, finds out that she's with child, and of course she would be the mother of, of Samuel. And when she goes into that, that song of praise there, she talks about how the Lord takes the beggar from the ash heap and he sets him upon the throne of princes. And that's really what God is in the business of doing, of taking people out of the pit, pulling them out of the pit, pulling them out of obscurity and blessing their lives. Last Thursday night, just as I was getting ready to teach, I, I had noticed that a friend of mine had come, to, had come out to the study, guy who lives out in the Inland Empire, but he just happened to show up. He actually heard that we were having carne asada and he wanted to know <laughs> if the carne asada here was thicker than the carne asada out in uh, San Bernardino. So, <laughs> so he came out for that. But anyway, I know this, guy, this guy's testimony is just one of these absolutely incredible uh, you know, kind of crossing the switchblade, Nikki Cruz type of a testimony. He could write a book, make a movie about it. And um, so, you know, I had talked to him earlier. And then when, when I was talking to him, I just had this thought in my mind, like, man, it'd be so great if he could share his testimony for a minute tonight. And then I thought, oh, I don't want to impose on him. You know, he's here to have carne asada. I don't want to, you know, force him to get up and share. So I just, I didn't bother with it, you know. But as I was coming in, I just said to the Lord, Lord, if I see, David's his name, if I see David, that, I'm going to take that as an indicator that you want me to ask him. So, so I walked in and I stood here and I'm, you know, just kind of standing there and I don't know where he is. And I turned to my right and he's looking right at me. So I thought, okay, Lord, that's the sign right there. So, so I called him over. I said, hey, would you share your testimony for a couple minutes? Would you mind doing that? I don't want to put you on the spot. He said, no, I'd love to do it. And he got up and shared and it was so, some of you guys were there. It was so powerful. Here's a guy who's a three strikes guy, a lifelong criminal. You know, by the time he's 21, he's, he's up for 40 to 100 years. He's a heroin addict. You know, he's, he's all of these, just the insanity of his life. And in prison, there was a man who challenged him to call out to Christ. And of course, he resisted that and, you know, didn't want to hear it. And you know, but he said finally one night when he was in like a solitary confinement thing, he just thought, you know, I don't have anything better to do. So, Jesus, if you're real, I'm calling out. And uh, after, a, you know, probably 15-year heroin addiction, he was delivered that night, never to touch the stuff again. And it's a long story that I, I won't give you all the details of. But anyway, you know, so he, he gets released from prison and he gets back, you know, he starts going to a church and God's working in his life. But anyway, to make a long story short, you know, he's, he's, he recently received from the governor the Hispanic Heritage Award for the work that he's doing amongst, you know, drug and, and gang-related young people. Join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. 
Beautiful People Don't Just Happen is the title of a book by Scott Sauls. And the subtitle is How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans. And I think in the title and the subtitle, we can see that this book is going to be really helpful in helping us understand how God is using the challenging things in our life to make us, in the end, more like Christ. So my recommendation here is Scott Saul's book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen. Pick up your copy. I know you're going to be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls. You can order the book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen by Scott Sauls, to remind you to assign a purpose to your regret, hurt, and fear. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.